This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to a year in 1984 to look at the action-adventure movie Romance in the Stone. So let's go into the jungles of Colombia, let's play you guys a trailer and I'll see you soon. I'm getting out of this jungle dump. I'm fed up to here with this treasure hunt business. Yeah. Ira, you miserable worm, you lied to me. You said she was a city girl, out of her element. Just get her in the map and bring him back. Piece of cake. Piece of cake, my butt. What went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. First of all, guess who else is here? You're dead right, Solo. What? Secondly, she's got herself a partner. You like shooting holes and everything. The minimum price for taking a stranded woman to a telephone $400. $375 in traveler's checks? Not a deal. That's just the beginning of what's going on down here. <laughs> There's nothing you can say that'll make me go back into that hellhole. Don't bring that up, Ira. Ira, stop it! <laughs> All right, I'll go back. But this time... You're coming with me. And welcome back guys, so the synopsis of this movie is a romance novelist sets off for Columbia to ransom her kidnapped sister and soon finds herself in the middle of a dangerous adventure hunting for treasure with a mercenary rogue. It's an action adventure comedy, it came out in 1984 and it's rated as a PG movie. So, Romance in the Stone, I mean, this is a, this is a fun movie, it's a favourite of mine, I love this genre, anybody that knows me knows that I love this uh, type of genre, anything that's got action, adventure, uh, Indiana Jones, you know, hunting for treasure, um, and I think you get, your, you get your five bucks with this movie because it's got everything in it that most people love, or a lot of people would love, is you've got, like I say, um, You've got a very pacey plot, you've got action, you've got the adventure, you've got uh, romance, you've got comedy. Um, so at the, mo you know, at the moment with the way the world is, I think we all want a bit of escapism and I think this film is totally that and that's kind of what it's based on really. It's based on a romantic novelist that just wants to get away and she just dreams of being swept off her feet by this... Um, jungle adventurer type character in her novels which um, I'll go into later on when we get into this movie but um, 
let's take the clock back to 1978. Let's talk about the origins of this film, because I always like to sort of dig and find out where these films came from. So, when you look at Romance in the Stone now, it's you know it's a very successful movie. I'd say it's a it's a bit of a cult classic in the 80s, um, but it it took a little while to get there. This film wasn't easy to put together. So um, in 1978, this film was written by Diane Thomas. Now Diane Thomas was a waitress um, who kind of liked the sort of Joan Wilder character in this movie. Dreamt of you know adventures and this you know this dream sort of rogue type character going to sweep off her feet so it's kind of like a sort of a, a true story in some ways so diane put pen to paper she wrote romance in the stone and the other thing you got to remember here as well is 1978 this is probably before indiana jones now i'm a massive indiana jones fan um and you could say in 1984 that this, you know, was kind of, I don't want to say rip-off, but it was, you know, certainly probably helped with the success of Indiana Jones. Um, but this this was, this was written before that, and Diane managed to find Michael Douglas, who was interested in the script, and he paid $250,000 for the script. He loved it. And he went to Hollywood, and he thought he'd be able to get this film you know, produced, but he struggled. And when I say struggled, he literally went to every studio to try and get some finance for this film, which he believed in because he loved he loved the story. And um, he eventually got um, a green light from 20th Century Fox, who who put ten million dollars into to make this film. He then needed a film director. Again, it, it, it's all a story of a struggle to make this film. Um, he came across the director Robert Zemeckis. Say um, <laughs> his name. Uh, so you're probably familiar with that name. He's the guy who directed uh, Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. Um, but again, for him, this is interesting because um, you kind of think these films get greenlit and made, and it's all done nicely. But when you look into the sort of building blocks, it's not. It's, it's quite a struggle. Robert, Robert Zemeckis at this time was a struggling film director who had just been fired from uh, making a sci-fi movie called Cocoon. Um, he wrote 1941, which flopped at the cinema, and things weren't going too well for him, so he kind of just needed a job, and this is where he took on Romance in the Stone. So he's kind of on his on his knees, so he needed a hit. And then Michael Douglas was the producer of the film, so he believed in this film, but he did not initially put himself down to be Jack Colton in this movie because he didn't think he was action hero enough for it. So he's looking into other actors such as uh, Sylvester Stallone. Could you imagine Sly Stallone in this movie? I could probably just see that. Um, but it's, it's that thing of, you know, it's what you're familiar with now. But if Sly was in this movie, I could have seen that work as well, you know. <laughs> it's probably a bit more sort of John Rambo and stuff like that. But... Anyway, Mark Douglas um, took on the Jack Colton character. He decided to take the lead role, and he does an incredible job with that. And so, again, we've heard this before in Hollywood, where films get made and directors are kind of thinking, is this going to work? Kind of happened with Spielberg in Jaws, um, to which became a success. And it was kind of the same with this film. Um, they made the film, it got released, and... 
you know, to jump to the chase here, guys, it, it, it got released and it was a success and it was a hit at the cinema or at the box office. Critically and commercially, it made $115 million from a $10 million budget. So it was a, you know, a successful movie. And then the other ingredients here which make this film really good, I think, is that you've got a really good soundtrack by Alan Silvestri, who again went on to go and do uh, the music to Back to the Future. And you also got the cinematography. I didn't know this. Uh, Dean Cundy, uh, if you guys are familiar with him, he's, he did the cinema photography for The Thing. There he goes, my little plug into that movie. So he's an incredibly um, talented guy. And after I found out, I rewatched this movie um, for doing this show and you realise that the shots have incredibly, done incredibly well you know some really nice um, uh, cinematography in this movie then of course you've got the other actors in this movie you've got Kathleen Turner who does an incredible job um, She after this movie she went on to become the voice in um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit she was Jessica Rabbit and then you've got Danny DeVito in this movie who almost kind of steals the show um, with his comedy antics in this movie, he's just great in anything that he does. So there you go, guys. That's kind of like the uh, the building block um, for this movie. So it was an uphill struggle, but when it got there in the end, it became a success. And then, of course, it spawned a sequel. Um, you've got Jaw the Nile, which came out immediately. It just got greenlit after this. Came out in 1985. Um, not as good as the first one, but still a good good movie. It's a fun movie. Um, they were going to do um, there was supposed to be a third movie which was supposed to come out in 1989 I think or in the early 90s and it was called The Crimson Eagle and they've even got a plot and everything for it it's where um, Joan Wilder and Jack have two children and they get blackmailed to steal a statue so um, in Thailand so there you go there's a plot but it never really got made um uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner did reunite, not as the same characters, but it's almost like the same characters in a film called War of the Roses, and you've got Danny DeVito in there. So it's a film I haven't seen for a long time, but it's uh, it kind of jogged my memory uh, reviewing this movie. And um, also to mention, it's worth mentioning here, it's, it's Michael Douglas, you know, he's a big star. Um, I think this film helped with his stardom in Hollywood. He went on to go and do Wall Street, Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct. Um, and then of late, one of my favourite movies that I've seen him in is Ant-Man. I think he does a great job. And yeah, Michael Douglas, he's just, he's a very sort of likeable guy. It's almost like I think he ad-libs a lot of his lines in these movies. He's kind of got like some signature lines like which he has in this film, you know, like Carter Haney. Lady, you are miles away from Carter Haney. You know, he's kind of got that sort of, um, sort of lovable swagger about him. He's kind of like a, he's a rogue in this movie, but he's kind of likable character at the same time. So there you go, guys. That's the building block for this movie. Um, a little bit of trivia, like I just like to throw in there. As I've already mentioned, uh, Sly Stallone was um, in line to play this. You also had Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Can you imagine Clint Eastwood in this movie, you know? Give me that jewel, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, and then you've got Jack Nicholson again, Jack Nicholson, and then Christopher Reeve, you know, Superman. So, um, again, I think it's one of those films that 
if it was any one of those characters, it just wouldn't know any different, you know. And I think any one of those could have pulled it off as that character. But um, Michael Douglas, uh, like I say, and uh, Kathleen Turner do an incredible job in this movie. So um, let's do. Moving on from that meal, moving on from the building block, let's do a bite-sized review of this film. So the film starts off by introducing you to Joan Wilder, who has just finished her romantic novel, and you get a little glimpse of that novel as well. It's kind of like a film within a film, and it's set, set in the old Wild West, where you've got a damsel in distress, and she gets uh, rescued by like a sort of foreshadow of like the Jack T. Colton character that we see later on. So Joan, she leaves her apartment and she goes to see her editor. But on the way, she's handed a letter which contains a treasure map, which you find out later on, which is um, sent to her by a recently murdered brother-in-law. And then while she's gone, her apartment gets ransacked by the main bad guy in this movie called Zolo. And he's like a, a Colombian army general. And he's kind of worthy of any sort of canon movie bad guy. That's kind of how I see it, you know, that these... Um, type characters that you see in the 80s and you know he murders people you get your first kill scene here you know he's he wants his treasure map and um joan wilder comes back to her apartment she finds it's ransacked and then she gets a telephone call from two guys in columbia and it's where you're introduced to ira and ralph two funny guys they're the, supposed to be the bad guys as well in this movie but they're incredibly funny it's like a sort of tag team of uh, Danny DeVito and his cousin and they basically instructed to go to Colombia to um, you know if they want to see her sister again you have to come to Colombia and exchange this map that she has received so the film just gets on with it you know it jumps straight in so you get a flight to Colombia Joan is now set off on this adventure that she kind of already dreamed of and she is there you know she is she is part of her romantic novel she is living it um, on her way to Cartagena, she is now on a bus uh, filled with like a sort of chickens and livestock, and um, she has been diverted by Colonel Zolo because he is in the midst of the, trying to get this map for himself. And then the uh, bus crashes, goes into a jeep. We find out whose jeep that is later on. Everybody just decamps from the bus, they make their own way, and then Joan's left there, she's got this massive suitcase, she's, she's not set up for any sort of Colombian jungle adventure at all, she's got high heels, like say suitcase, all that sort of stuff. And then Zolo pulls out a gun, he reveals himself as a bad guy, and then this is kind of like where you get your first action scene where you kind of get like this silhouette character of Jack T. Colton with his hat on. He's just sort of minding his own business. And he sees Zolo with a gun, so he pulls out his pump-action shotgun. He's jumping around, and it's that typical sort of Hollywood thing where he's got a shotgun that's full of um, ammunition. But neither one of these two characters can shoot. <laughs> They're firing these guns, and nothing's happening. Lots of stuff's getting blown up. Um, lots of windows smashing, all that sort of stuff. But it's a good, it's a good scene. It's fun. Joan Wilder's underneath the bus, wondering what the hell's going on. Zolo makes a run for it, and then this is where you get the introduction of Joan Wilder and Jack T. Colton, and he's like, basically comes out one of my favourite lines in the movie, where he comes out and says, "Carter Haney, lady, you are miles away from Carter Haney," and then she's, he says, "Who told you about that?" And she says, that guy 
with the what and then he just sort of cuts in and says what do you mean that nice guy with the gun and he sort of figures out that she is just sort of way out of her league you know in Colombia and then he offers her a deal and he says you know yeah, he's pretty he's straight in there you know for these travellers checks you know if we're, if we're going to take a lady to a telephone booth it's going to cost you about $375 you know so he's got he's got a bit of a little bit of charm a bit of character a bit of wit here um, he is a rogue, you know. He sort of comes across as if he's, you know, he's sort of self-preservation and all that sort of stuff. But generally, I think he wants to help her out. And then again, you know, like I say, you get these, you get uh, comedy scenes here where he takes Joan Wilder's um, high heels and he chops them off and turns them into uh, uh, proper decent walking shoes. And then he gets her suitcases and he just sort of chucks them over the edge and he says, "Right, there you go." Now you're fit for travelling in Colombia. <laughs> and then the move just then the film just moves on. Um, it's pouring down with rain. And um, by the way, this was filmed in Mexico, not in Colombia as a film location. And they had torrential rain whilst they were um, filming this movie, so they kind of added that into it. Um, and they get a scene where they are walking along the road or what's left of the road and then you kind of get like what I call like a Goonies scene here where they go down and slide down the ridge and then Joan falls into this muddy puddle and then Jack comes along and he falls between their legs and he goes oh man he goes this is turning out to be one hell of a morning <laughs> like I say guys this film just sort of moves along at a pace and then from here onwards, it's uh, you know it becomes like a chase because Zolo and his military police turn up, and again, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like cannon bad guys or 16-bit bad guys in those old sort of computer games, like the old Operation Wolf type games, and that. Do you know what I mean? They they turn up in in their dozens. These guys shooting guns, um, trying to capture our heroes, and this is where again. Jack T. Cotton comes out of all the lines, you know, he's he's getting his gun out, he's loading it up, he tells Joan to sort of, you know, get away, and he comes out with another line here, he's sort of like, romantic novelist, my ass, and he's like basically saying, I should have listened to my mother, you know, could have been a cosmetic surgeon, all this sort of stuff, so you get a little bit of a backstory here with him. And then they come across a bridge, which is one of those, again, it's one of those 80s type bridges, which... Uh, it's dilapidated, it's not complete, there's bits missing from it. And Joan kind of does like a bit of a Tarzan thing here. She, she grabs one of the vines, she manages to get across the ridge safely. It all works out for her. And then Jack thinks, I'll do that. <laughs> you get a funny scene, he grabs hold of the vine, being shot at by the police. And he goes straight into the side of the ridge, you know, it doesn't work out. And... Um, it kind of reminds me of the end scene of uh, Temple Doom, which came out around about the same time this movie. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun scene. So they managed to escape from the military police and uh, Zolo and his henchmen. And then they come across a village, uh, which isn't too inviting. It, this kind of reminds me of like an old sort of Sergio Leone Western. You know, they've turned up and there's the villagers. They look like they're going to try and kill you. And... Then Jack is basically sort of saying, look, Joan, stick by me. We're going to try and get through this. He's kind of getting his gun ready. He knocks onto the door, this guy called Jerome. He's, again, he's another sort of funny character in this movie. 
and he gets a, a Smith and Wesson gun out. It's a bit like uh, Dirty Harry, and he says, "You know, get out of here." And as they turn around, all the villagers are behind them. It looks like they're going to get killed. And then Jack comes in and says, "Okay, John Wilder, how are you going to write yourself out of this one?" And then John goes, "John Wilder, you're John Wilder, the romantic novelist." And he's like, and Jack's kind of like gone, "What the hell?" And uh, they're invited into this apartment. It's like a lovely, lush apartment. It's got a swimming pool. It's got music. You know, it's 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 like a luxurious five-star apartment, which looks completely different to what it is outside. But anyway, Jack says, you know, I hear you got a mule. Someone said in the village you got a mule, you know. He says, who said I got a mule? I got a little mule. And then next thing you know, this uh, 4x4 Jeep comes crashing out from the apartment. And he goes, not, goes, not bad for a little mule. And else. Jack's all going, oh yeah, sure, man. Um, so you've got a chase scene here. Uh, which is really cool. Again, you've got Zalo in the military police. They've caught up to the village. You've got Drone um, driving this Jeep and he's basically going through it. You know, it's a 4x4. It's bulletproof. It's fireproof, all this sort of stuff. And you've got him jumping over a river with this kind of like, again, it's like an 80s thing where you've got a bridge that's sort of got a remote control which goes up. Get a really good action scene here where the Jeep goes over. And as Zolo's military police try to follow them, the bridge has got like this blocker on it, comes up and then I say the bad guys go into the river, so all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's a really good uh, fast-paced action scene. But whilst all this is happening as well, you've also got Danny DeVito, who's, who's just so funny in this movie. He plays a character, Ralph, who's been sent by his um, cousin Ira to try and find uh, Joan Wilder. And he... <laughs> Going back to the bit of the bus, you know, he says, you know, he finds out she gets onto the wrong bus and then he tries to follow her in this, he's got this little white car that he drives. Uh, then it ends up in a police station where he finds a picture of him, self on the wall as a wanted character and you get a funny scene where he's on a desk and he tries to reach for it and he's on the telephone and he falls off the desk. Um, then he loses uh, Joan Wilder. <clears throat> And Jack and Joan end up in this town together where they kind of have, like, um, they start getting romantic with each other, start falling in love with each other, and Jack kind of initially wants to take the map for himself, but then he realises that he can work with Joan and they can get the treasure um, before handing it over to the bad guy, so effectively get it, forge the map, and then come up with this plan. And uh, you kind of get this scene where, it's, again, it's a funny scene where um, Ralph is on the phone to his cousin saying, look, I've just lost them. I don't know where they are. And then he turns around and then he sees Jack and Joan. He goes, Ira, you are the luckiest man in the world. <laughs> He's like, he goes, what is it? He goes, they're here, they're in this town. So uh, there's some comical elements like that. And you also get, I need to mention this as well, you know, Jack's changed his outfit. He's kind of like got a sort of uh, Miami Vice uh, white suit on now, and he has a bit of a dance with Jane. And as I mentioned, they start falling in love with each other. And then the next morning, they um, find out the Zolo's men have entered the town, so they need to escape. They jump into Ralph's car um, unknowingly, and Ralph is sleeping in the back of the car. And they're driving off to try and find the treasure. And after following some clues, it leads them to a waterfall um, where they actually find a an emerald gem called the El 
Corazon or something like that. It's like the heart of Columbia or something like that. And then Ralph turns up, he holds them at gunpoint, he tries to take the emerald off them. And then Zolo turns up as well with all the military police. So Jack manages to get the emerald off Ralph, he jumps into the car and then they drive off. And again, you get some another good sort of action scene here where the car drives into the waterfall or into the river. And uh, Jack and Joan try to um, escape the river, but they end up on different sides of uh, the river. And then Jack says, look, I will meet you in Cartagena, I promise you. And he, he's actually got the um, gem on him. And then Joan's basically saying, look, I knew you was going to double cross me. But he says, look, you know, have my word, I'll meet you in Cartagena. So in Cartagena, um, Joan meets up with Ira, uh, who takes the map and then he releases her sister. But then Zolo and his men turn up with Jack, who's been captured. Solo threatens to kill Joan and then Jack comes out and says, wait, you know, he's, uh, he gets, so again, it's a funny scene here where he gets um, taken out in the groin and it sort of makes a clanging noise where the uh, butt of the rifles hit the diamond or the jewel. And then the jewel comes out from um, Jack's trousers and then Zolo picks up the jewel and you get quite a quite horrible scene here really, it's quite scary, I forget about this every time, so... Zolo's hand goes over where the crocodile pit is and then one of the crocodiles comes up and eats it. So then the crocodile gets away and then Jack's kind of clocked that and everything else is going on. It's kind of like Jack is now sort of caught between, so what do I do? Do I go and get the jewel or do I go and save, save Joan? But he decides to go and save Joan and now you've got um, Joan who's like wrestling with Zolo. But she's she's handing her own. Effectively, Joan is kind of... Um, she kind of raises stakes here. She's up to her game a bit and she effectively takes him on by herself because you've got Jack who's like, you know, he tries to shoot him and he gets that sort of, the rifle doesn't work and then he tries to sort of climb up the side of this wall to try and get up to the top where Joan's struggling with Zolo. And um, Joan effectively takes on Zolo. He falls into this uh, crocodile pit and he's dead. So they take him out. And then after all this, the authorities arrive. Joan and her sister manage to get away to safety. Jack kisses Joan and basically dashes into the water to try and pursue the crocodile to get the jewel. And then that's the last you see of him at this time. And then Ira escapes onto a boat and he basically says to Ralph, he says, Look, I promise I'll come back for you. And he's like, you know, he's basically double-crossed his cousin. Um, so Ralph gets captured by the uh, authorities and then from here onwards it, it skims to now Joan turning this whole adventure into a novel and some people say I've heard this um, on some reviews after doing a, a bit of research and I've never really thought of it before it's like this whole story could it just be in the imagination of Joan Wilder could it just be her sort of another escapism while she's writing a novel is it real or is it not so it's a little bit of food for thought but as she finishes the novel um someone pulls up outside of her apartment that's the other thing i've got to mention is um that jack colton has basically got a dream of wanting a boat to try and get away and set sail and sail, sail around the oceans and um a boat turns up outside her apartment and there's uh, 
Jack T. Colton with his crocodile boots on and he's looking very sort of 80s. And that's how the film ends. You know, they're on the boat and he whisks Joan off her feet and they go around the world and uh, go on many other adventures, which you find out in the uh, sequel. So there you go, guys. That is it. That is uh, Romance in the Stone. And I just realised I've missed a little bit out. Um, there is a bit where uh, Joan and Jack end up in a crashed aeroplane and it's worth bringing up because this is where you find out about Jack saying you know he's a bit of a loner um, he's gone to Colombia to try and make some money and all he wants is this boat and he just wants to get away and um, there's uh, yeah it's quite a good scene where they're on the plane and you know he um, takes on a snake god it's goddamn Bushmaster so there you go Got to mention that bit, but there you go. Oh, I've mentioned it now. So there you go, guys. As I, as I said earlier, it's, it's a fun movie. Um, it's escapism. It goes along at a pace. It's got everything that you want in a movie. Like I say, the romance, action, adventure, bad guys, comedy. Um, I think Danny DeVito is killer in this movie. You know, he's, he's just really funny. Um, he's supposed to be the bad guy but he's just everything he does is just like comic timing um, so yeah it's a, it's a film I can watch again and again and you know you have a fun time with it so um, there you go guys um, that is my Bite Signs review of Romance in the Stone I'm sure many of you listening to this show have, have already seen this film so but if by any chance you haven't seen it go check it out and uh, also check out the uh, sequel like I say it's not I don't know, I haven't seen it for a while. I, don't think it's, I remember it not being as good as the first one, but it's, it's still a lot of fun. There's still some good bits in it. So, um, uh, yeah, it's worth checking out. So, there you go, guys. Um, hope you enjoyed that. Um, as always, I will, just for a little bit of admin for the show, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. So, please go and check out all the other shows on there. And um, if you want to find Bite Size Cinema, um, punch it into Google. It will take you to a player. I'm also on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And let's talk about what's coming up next. So I've got um, got my buddy Kung Fu Dave coming back onto the show. I'm going to be talking about uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, because he's a guy from Nottingham, and he knows a little bit about that character, Robin Hood, so we'll talk about that. Um, also got Dan Bone coming back onto the show for um, The Karate Kid. We've talked about that film quite a lot. Um, you know, since me and Dan, you know, got together to talk about um, movies and stuff like that, so we thought, hell, we let's start, let's let's do it, let's talk about that movie. Um, so look out for that. And then I've got a couple of um, solo episodes coming up. I was thinking about revisiting, going back to Michael Douglas again with uh, Falling Down, uh, which is a film which I wouldn't mind having to talk about. So. Um, that'll be coming up for a, a solo episode so there you go guys um, I'll say hope you enjoyed the show and as always keep it bite size keep it safe and I'll see you soon
If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.